Yes, yes. If you're from the Lucca Islands in the Caribbean, you know exactly you say that where it's from, you know what I'm saying? Welcome. <laughs> What's the date today? Today is the 28th of November. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us. It is episode 10 of the what? Free Bros podcast. 10, you know. Do you know what I'm saying? One double digits now. Jesus Christ. Jeez. It's your boy Jay's here, and I'm with my guy. RJ. Mr. RJ on the mic. What are you talking about? Oh, Mr. it's Mr. now, yeah? yeah Mr. All right. We're going to have to start calling you Mr. still. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we just here. We're about to bring you guys another sweet one. A sweet one. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm going to let my guy do the, do the intro. Before that, though, you know what I'm saying? We right here. We sipping on some of that. Ray and his nephew. Just a little tinge, though. And some <laughs> sorrel. You know what I'm saying? Some sorrow. The real ones know. The real ones will know. Do you know what I mean? If you don't know, you better get to know. You better get to know. You know what I mean? All right, my bro. What we got for him today, bro? All right, listen. Yeah, we got a special for you. Environment, climate change. Abstract topics sometimes. I don't really mean much, but that affect us all. So uh, we uh, we had to jump on the old uh, Zoom to catch a little specialist. Our friend of the show. Our bro of the show. Jess to talk about um you know the environment and climate change what it means to us and uh, how it affects us and what more importantly we can do about it so um hope you enjoy it's a bit of a long one what we're gonna do we're gonna chop it up a little and we're gonna ask you to come back next week and join us for the second half but without any further introduction i would invite you to listen to episode 10 part one of our episode on um the environment and climate change hope you enjoy Boom. All right. All right. All right. All right. Welcome. 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 Uh, what are we on now? Episode 10, Free Bros Podcast. Um, and as promised, as promised some episodes ago, we have a very, very special guest for you with some very, very special and interesting content. Uh, the topic, the environment and climate change. Our guest, the one and only. Jess, do you want to introduce yourself, Jess? Hi, um, I'm Jess. Um, I'm a geography teacher um, and I did my degree in environmental science. Um, and so I have a bit of a focus on climate change um, and things to do with sustainability in my current job and in my previous academics, as well as just having a general interest in the topic. All right, lovely. Um, oh, also, yeah, we got we got Hank over just, here as well. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm just there chilling in the back. You know, my guy <laughs> left me out. My guy left me out, but it's fine. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold. We here, we live for another one episode. I was about to say something in Spanish, but I can't remember the. the, the, the yeah. Anyways, hi guys. <laughs> What's up, people? What's up, people? Um, but yeah, take it away, Robert. Take um, it away. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Jess, uh, first question, what brought you to the topic of like climate change and your, your degrees in environmental science, right? Yes. What, what brought you there? Do you want to just kind of a couple of minutes explain that? Um, I was always really interested in the natural world as a child, which I actually, looking back on it, find quite interesting because I grew up in South East London, which does not consist of tons of nature. Um, but I was obsessed with David Attenborough, really enjoyed it. 
And as I got older, I know I wanted to do something in the realm of science um, and something that like I was bringing a benefit to the world. And the more I sort of looked into climate change and sustainability, um, the more I thought that that was actually something that I would A, find interesting, but B, could lead me into a career that might make a bit of a difference to the world. And now I'm a geography teacher, hopefully educating kids on going to find some solutions to the problems that climate change pose. All right, cool. A lovely young answer there. I suppose the first, the first kind of starting point um, is uh, what is climate change? Like I was wondering if you could kind of address any common misconceptions because I think, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of think, well, I, I, it's interesting. I think we were discussing this yesterday, how we don't really use the term global warming anymore, isn't it? Because no. I think that generated a lot of misconceptions about people's understanding of exactly, you know, what climate change are. So I suppose like, what, what are the misconceptions you've seen in your professional career? What do you think most people kind of might misunderstand about climate change? Like where do you think any confusion might lie? I think there's like quite a big confusion between the climate change that we are talking about in the world in 2020, which is anthropogenic climate change, human caused climate change, um, and natural climate change. And that's also potentially where some sort of this skepticism arrives from. So the Earth's climate has always changed for the last 2.6 million years. I'm sure we've all heard about ice ages, We've seen the film. Um, yeah. We know that there's been times where it's been warmer and colder. Um, and that's natural. And that's been caused by a variety of reasons that are researched. But the climate change that we're talking about now is climate change that is unnatural. Um, that sort of takes the planet out of these natural cycles that they've been going through and puts it into potentially a very downward spiral where the planet's no longer going to be able to regulate its own climate and potentially we are going to see catastrophic damage to the world's ecosystems. Some of the, speaking of um, the country regulating its own climate, I think one of the things that I've heard before um, is kind of like the idea that the earth is constantly on a climate cycle or an environmental climate cycle. So, you know, um, global warming in the sense of um, essentially global warming isn't something that that is new it's happened before the earth has like done this before and you know right now we're just part of the cycle how, how do you respond is that true like yeah so start? i think the thing that's difficult is because we're talking about so far back in time it's not necessarily easy for you to find really clear empirical evidence and a lot of the evidence is things to do with like data from tree cores and ice cores and stuff that to be honest even with an undergraduate degree, I don't completely understand in depth because you have to be, you know, like a PhD scientist. But the world has gone through these natural increases in warming and then decreases. And if we think about the planet as a system, it's reactive. So when you have a decrease in global temperature, you um, have plants die off. When plants die off, they release carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide creates more greenhouse effects, which eventually begins to increase temperatures. So it pulls you out of that colder period back up to a warmer period. If it gets too warm, the ice in the ice caps melt. Because it's melted, it's not reflecting as much solar energy. 
um, so things get a bit cooler again. So it has these natural cycles. And what we've kind of done is we've taken a ton of carbon out of the ground in the form of fossil fuels and we put it in the atmosphere and those mechanisms that naturally happen perhaps are going to be disrupted and the processes that pull the climate back aren't going to work anymore. Just a couple of things to pick up on, but I, I, um, uh, I, so apparently like from the years 2015 to 2019 have been the warmest on records. I suppose that kind of reflects what you're talking about. Um, yeah. and, and also I remember seeing, I don't know if you saw this as well, uh, even if you saw this, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was this Russian like time capsule or something that ended up on the shores of Ireland. Um, huh? yeah, so it was, um, basically the, the this ship, um, let me, let me just double check. I've got everything right. So there's this ship that, that was in the Arctic like circle. Nice. Yeah. And they, they, they put a time capsule in the ice only a few years ago, um, with the expectation that it would be rediscovered, um, you know, like decades in the future. And it was actually only, um, rediscovered uh so so that the times capsule was dropped in 2018 and it's been two and a bit you know and it's two already years, melted and it's already melted and, and found its way 4,000 kilometers away in ireland and, and what what they were that saying is mad. Is that that's because of the impact of um of of the ice caps melting way faster than yeah. anybody thought they would which kind of illuminates what you're saying in some ways have you heard of this idea it's sort of like what i'm i was trying to allude to of um, like positive feedback. No, no. So it's no. this idea that you have, I think, have you heard of like tipping points as well? This idea that we're at a, a global tipping point for climate. And if we go over that tipping point, it's like jumping off the edge of a cliff. There is no return. Yeah, yeah. right. With that, I've so, heard one. Yeah, so it's that kind of idea. So positive feedback is um, if you increase temperatures a certain amount. So the permafrost is part of the northern latitudes of the world in like russia that is permanently frozen and underneath that layer of frozen ground is methane have you seen um videos of the people drilling holes in ice and then setting the air on fire as it's coming out of the ice oh no is that because of the carbon inside it or something or the it's methane it's not it's not oh, methane. It's greenhouse gas it's methane so there's all this methane trapped under this permanent frozen layer of soil um, at the top of the world and the more that that falls and melts the more of that methane that's then released and at some point what what scientists are sort of scared about and what what some scientists would potentially say we've already reached is that we're at the point where that methane's releasing increasing temperatures melting more of the permafrost to the point where we we can't we can't undo what's happening and you get a chain reaction where temperatures are just going to rise exponentially more and more of the permafrost is going to melt, more and more methane is going to be released, and we're not going to be able to do anything to intervene to stop climate going over, you know, four or five degrees global average increase, which four would be devastating. Yeah. I think that's so basically. So when you, I can't remember the exact number, but I think like the Paris Agreement, the idea is that they want to cap it at two degrees, like two degrees average increase. But if we don't do stuff like, put intervention in now then you, you could be talking about like global av and that's an average so it's five degrees yeah. around the world like in parts of like 
the northern north of Africa in the Sahara like you're talking about in summer people can't live there like it's that you won't be able to live there this is like the worst case you know these are some of the worst case scenarios and then you know worst case models places in the Middle East that are currently you know get temperatures of like 40 plus degrees people won't be able to live there because it won't like the temperatures will be incompatible with human health that's mad. So like, what's, what's the, what's, sorry, what, 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 were you going to say something? No, no, it was going to be less interesting. Go on, bro. Um, now I was going to say like, so um, the term, was it anth- anthropogenic? Am I saying that right? Anthropogenic, yeah. Um, so like, what I've learned from that is, um, well, I remember back when, back when I was in school, there was a lot of, um, uh, it was like mentioning like that aerosol products, you know, when you spray your, you know, your sure deodorant yeah. or um, when you are uh, like, I guess like the congestion from cars and stuff like that. Um, but what are, what are some of the other things that come underneath that umbrella that, that, we're, that we're doing to kind of contribute to this wider picture? Yeah, so the aerosols thing thing was CFCs, which well, I can't really pronounce it, but chlorofluorocarbons. And they are a type of greenhouse gas, but they were really bad because they destroyed ozone, which means that you can't filter out harmful UV radiation, you know, like the whole over Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's actually quite a good example of where international policy has worked because they banned those um, and the ozone was closing. Um, And it is a type of greenhouse gas, but it's not the most significant one. So the others are methane, which is produced a lot from agriculture. Methane's what's produced by like decomposition, like decomposing materials, carbon dioxide. Um, water vapor is a massive greenhouse gas, but it's nat- like naturally occurring. Mm. Um, nitrogen oxide, which is what comes out of cars and also like what you use for fertilizers. So like, oh, okay. you think about like mass agriculture, using fertilizers we use nitrogen oxide and some of that ends up in the atmosphere um so those are some of the main ones and i guess in terms of a misconception as well like you need like you need there's the natural greenhouse effect so when we're talking about climate change and anthropogenic climate change we're talking about the human enhanced greenhouse effect which is that we put more greenhouse gases in the atmosphere and so we're trapping too much heat essentially within within the world we're increasing temperatures but the thing that i sometimes think throws people off is that there is a natural greenhouse effect and we actually need greenhouse gases in the atmosphere because if we didn't have them we'd be so cold that we couldn't sustain life yeah so it's important that there are some there but i think i can't remember the exact number i think in human well in in recorded history as in history that has been recorded through again ice cores blah 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 there's never been more than 350 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And at the moment we're knocking on 450 parts per million. So what we've done is we've put so much carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing something that's never happened in the history of the earth. So we don't know, what <laughs> it's, but it's probably not going to be good. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, um, it's interesting when you touched on um, 
I mean, you touched on like agriculture. Uh, I think that kind of goes into our next point as well. Yeah. When you when you spoke about agriculture, you mentioned that that industry in itself having like a having I don't know if you say like a double. It's like it's like you know out of all those gases, agriculture has two that that it produces. You know, methane and uh, nitrogen oxide as well. And 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 releasing carbon dioxide as well. Yeah, yeah. Because so with that, sorry, go on, go on. Right, so just if you cut down forest, yeah, grow plants or you know rear livestock, the trees cut down contain carbon. The carbon ends up in the atmosphere, and the plants replace it with don't contain as much. So your, you know, net loss is to the atmosphere. So with that, yeah, like. Uh, and I understand you said something about balance as well. So that just kind of makes me think about, honestly, it, it makes me think about diet and people's diets and how, how like the over, the over, the overproduction of meat, do you know what I mean? And how, like, well, the demand for that as well has kind of helped facilitate this because that in itself, that's, that's three now. So we've got deforestation, we've got methane and we've got, not, uh, uh, wow, what was, what was it that one? Nitrogen oxide. Nitrogen oxide, yeah, I don't know why I started on that one. Um, and that's all come from, from I mean, to me, it, it sounds like, do, do you think of their diets a bit more that it could actually help with it, help with our climate change as well? Would that um, be a factor? The thing is, like, I don't, I don't know. Because I think in terms of if if everyone consumed less meat, then yeah, I think it would make a difference. But particularly like in the Amazon, I think cattle ranching is responsible for sixty percent of the deforestation. Not just mm-hmm. for like um, cattle grazing, but in terms of like deforesting it and clearing the land to grow crops to feed the cattle. Um, yeah. Out to McDonald's because. but i don't i mean i guess i think it's an area that hasn't like completely been researched cutting down on our meat consumption consumption sorry cutting down on excess food consumption in general definitely just in terms of preventing deforestation you know Mm. not transporting food so much around the world because if they're you know if you're eating locally you're not you're not putting greenhouse gases yeah. in transporting food. Oh. However, if we all suddenly switch to like a vegan vegetarian diet, then that has an impact I don't on know, like deforestation as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Like the production, what like you know like what <coughs> vegetables like, like tofu and stuff like yeah. you can't grow that in a in a greenhouse. Yeah, or like avocado, like the number apparently the amount of water that it takes to grow like a, a you know a field or a whatever of avocados actually means that if we were to all increase our avocado consumption then that would also have like a, ne- a negative impact on on sustainability as well yeah i'm just thinking about balance what if we just had a balance i, I think like that is the you, answer i think that is the you know answer I mean? basically if you, having if you some push kind more of equilibrium. Like, yeah like if you push more of um like we, we people keep talking about well, I, I don't I don't say people, but I've grown up learning about, you know, you, you meant to have a balanced diet. And I feel like there's a lot of layers to that because let's say, for instance, you're having 
um, meat like two or three times a week. And then the other days you're having um, fish or you're having um, like a, a vegan meal, um, something vegetarian. You're, 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 you're helping that balance in a way, do you know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like there, there's a, like a misconception of, you know, because I support people who are vegan and they say like, I remember when, when I was in the gym as well, and it used to be this thing where, you know, I'm, I'm out eating chicken breasts and, and all this stuff because it's, ha- it's got the protein. And they would let me know, like, you, there's protein in plants as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Probably like purer protein as well. That's not, you know, pumped up with fertilizers that you, that you give to the animals and stuff, you know? So I think that misconception conception as well makes it kind of hard for people to... Because when, when you say cut down on meat, people just think, right, but what about the steak? What about lamb? Like, I love all this yeah. stuff. I did an assembly in Chicken. Where I suggested this. And honestly, like, the grumble in the hall when I said, like, oh, we should all try and not eat meat one day a week. Like, what? Is it Mondays? It's like meatless Mondays. Yeah. It's like meat free Monday. And the kids were like, no, miss. I couldn't <laughs> have without meat. Like, what are you doing to me? And I'm like, it's one day. And they're like, no. So I guess like sometimes I don't even think it's necessarily like skepticism. Like it, it's changing people's habits of a lifetime. Like you're not yeah. going to die because you don't eat chicken or a ham sandwich on a Monday. And, do you know what I mean? Also making those options affordable as well because it's not yeah. so much. I mean, it, I know it is the case now. Like um, you know, going veget. Can you guys hear that? Yeah, I just heard that. You can hear it. Yeah. Sorry. Um, going, um, sorry, going, going vegetarian or going, um, you know, vegan, like it's costly, you know? So I suppose it's also maybe, uh, uh, we can hope towards a day when those kind of things become more affordable. I think it's happening now. Um, you know, but, but, but for for like families and stuff, meat is generally still the cheaper option because of how, yeah you know how, how how easy it is for them to produce cheap chickens or cheap beef um i think especially if you're low income as well like if you're if you're on quite a low income then actually like as you said like getting vegetables cheaply to make a meal like enough food for a family of four i think is a really big challenge for some families rather than buying you know like frozen mints from Asda and a pack of spaghetti for 29p and then you've got do you get what I mean like a meal for the whole family yeah yeah and like you can make bagbo with lentils but that also requires I think people forget about the extra stuff like for you to make that nice <laughs> like I know no Robert makes delicious vegetarian food but it requires like spices and flavor and that's the yeah kind of that I think people forget costs money mm, yeah and that, like that's that's a challenge if you if you've got a budget to feed your family you know that's a, for a week the the, the the food the stuff that makes veggie food tasty is not cheap mm, mm. in my opinion like mm. some all-purpose seasoning though and some malbec the remedy yeah all-purpose uh, and, and some malbec oh no it's separate meals it's separate meals like all-purpose se- what do i use all-purpose seasoning for of course, now I can't Everything. even think of it. Now I'm trying to think like what vegan stuff. I suppose if I make like a lentil curry or something like that, I'll, I'll add it in there. Why is um, it even yeah. purpose seasoning? Just everything. 
Just a, a what what things are in all-purpose seasoning? I couldn't tell you, mate. I don't want to uh, know. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy some. I'll buy some and I'll, I'll do some. I have a seasoning wheel that has like 20 little pots of different stuff on it. You need to add some all-purpose stuff in there. All-purpose, okay. man. You um, can buy everything. for Christmas. That can be my present. Yeah, I might get you a care package. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just seeing this thing about livestock contributing 15 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions, which is which is insane. Yeah. So maybe, as you're saying, maybe if we kind of if we ate locally, you know, reducing that kind of that transportation element to mm. to to the meat industry and um and reducing our consumption as well, because I I, I I I yeah, I definitely think there's something in, in maintaining a balance rather than just cutting everything up. Um. Speaking of lifestyle changes as well, I suppose um, fast fashion is something that has that is having a, um, a negative impact on the environment. I, I didn't know it, it, it's the second largest polluter in the world after the oil industry. What are your kind of like, what are your thoughts on that and the impact of it, you know, on, on the environment? And, and uh, I think fast fashion is a hard one for me to comment on because I enjoy some fast fashion and I do you know what like it's interesting because I thought quite I've definitely recently been making an effort to buy clothes or more of my clothes secondhand so I think Depop is amazing for the fact that like you can still get like the brands that you want but obviously it, it's clothes that someone else doesn't want and I've been buying a lot in charity shops but when I like did some research about a year ago because my conscious conscience was like twinged when it came to fashion and I looked at the price of sustainable brands it was like a hundred pounds for a shirt and I was like well I can't afford a hundred pounds for a shirt when I need five well at least five a week to go to work because Mm. I don't you know wash on like I don't want to put a wash on every week just for shirts um I know like some people have to do that but that's also bad if you're washing your clothes like twice a week like that's not exactly good for the environment and it was expensive (laughs) so fast fashion like it is bad and fast fashion also has like significant environmental challenges in terms of where the clothes are produced the fact that like we've shipped a lot of our textiles manufacturing to like economically developing countries like Bangladesh like India the environmental regulations aren't as strong so chemicals that you know go into dyeing materials are just running into the Ganges and polluting it and killing all the fish and then also like killing people um Mm. but I think it's a tricky one because at the moment I don't think a lot of sustainable clothing new sustainable clothing is affordable to the vast majority of people in the UK and I would say the best thing to do in my opinion is like go to a go to a charity shop go to a vintage shop like download download an app where you can buy secondhand clothing mm. yeah shout out etsy yeah yeah etsy's a good one you know what i mean um with the with the, the, the uh, wow with the fast fashion though uh i guess what i'm about to say it doesn't it doesn't really because what you just said about it being a, affordable and like to like a vast majority of people um that is that is that is an issue um but i remember when i was working in adidas there was um this company called parley or parley i'm not sure how you say it but they're say again 
no, no, no. I, was, I think it is that because I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So they um wait, say again, parlay. Yeah, I think it's like the French word, like parlay. Like talking. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Yes, parlay, parlay, parlay the ocean or parlay for the oceans. Yeah. Um, and their their whole um I guess mantra was to use the recycled the recycled plastics in the ocean to then use that and integrate into the clothes. And I remember seeing um like a few trainers that they um that they made. And I thought that was interesting because I've never heard of a company actually doing that before. Um, so yeah, maybe if you had, maybe if you had more more companies doing that, you know. And, and there, there's an article I was looking at as well, and they had there was a number of um, other products. I mean, it wasn't an entire line, but you know, whether it was a, like a backpack or a bum bag or a tote bag or a bathing suit, um, there were different garments or I guess um, different add-ons that were used through recycled plastic um, and recycled materials so um, but then again I don't know how how expensive that is to, to produce I don't really know the you know the nuances of that so that might be an issue as to why it's not more of a mainstream thing. Um, I, saw, I saw this actually because I was I was reading about it today because I, I knew we were going to talk about it and I hadn't heard of it until then and then I found it and it was, they have the, the tie with the company Parlay for the Ocean that use the recycled plastic from the ocean, which is also good because yeah. it gives financial incentive to clean up the oceans because yeah. we need to get the plastic out. Um, but motivating, you know, a capitalist society to do anything without financial incentive just off the, the back of it being a good thing to do is hard. But yeah. <laughs> They made these trainers, they sold 5 million of them last year and they're made from recycled ocean plastic and they're recyclable themselves. So they sent them yeah. out like people, I think they sent like, they sold 5 million and they sent them to like influencers and athletes and then after 8 months they got them to send them back, which you know, after 8 months you want new trainers and they basically like upgrade them. So they'll oh, like wow. use the materials and like upgrade them and make them the like, I don't know, version two i wrote down what they were called they're called the oh, really whack name beta test wear but okay <laughs> that's what they were called and they were like gonna start the new the new rollout yeah I, I think i was like that's quite interesting and then i was also reading about this company called vigor that it's a subscription service and it's for baby clothes so you subscribe for whatever a month and then you get the baby clothes for like naught to three months and then you send them back and they send you like a capsule wardrobe, so like 25 pieces of clothing for the kid. And then as the child grows, you don't keep the clothes because obviously you don't, you don't need, need the baby clothes once they've grown out of it. And it's like a subscription. Yeah. And I was like, actually, in terms of like, you know, like preventing fast fashion and like creating a model, I was like actually like a clothing subscription service where you could almost like pay X amount a month and you rent clothes and then they go back and then yeah. I would I'd pay a subscription to Adidas if I could like pay X amount of money to have 10 Adidas items in my wardrobe and then swap some of them in and out over Maybe the years. Maybe that's like, Yeah, I feel like <laughs> subscribe to Netflix instead of Sky. Yeah, yeah. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the future. Why not? It makes sense. That's, that's I, like, that's a tough one, though, man. Like, uh, <laughs> you, like you're, not, you're not sold, man. No, no, I'm, 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 I'm for it. But I'm just thinking, like, on a like wider scale, like for other people, because, um, yeah, 
people be like, oh, I need these J's, man. I need that. I need that Stussy. I need that Canada Goose. Do you know what I mean? I need. Yeah. And it's like you said, like in a, in a, in a capitalist or just like a a a, cons, a cons, consumerist even a word like a consumerist, yeah, yeah, like a consumerist society. society. Yeah, it's just like that. That in itself is is going to be a tough one. You know, you need you would need more like designers who have that outlook. Oh my gosh, I was watching this documentary. Oh, what was it called again? Oh, uh, it's on Netflix. Do you know what? I'm I'm gonna find it right now. But basically, there was this there was this lady, and I can't remember her name either. Oh my gosh, I'm so shit. I can't remember her name either. Yeah, she had a project where she she did a, a design like uh, she made a sculpture out of like recycled plastic and she was like a like a well-renowned design i need I, I need to find i need to find it i need to find it i think it was called art and design. oh abstract abstract art of design okay i haven't seen it abstract art of design and i need to find her name i'll find her name in a sec but um yeah no she she was actually like she made me think like oh wow so if you think to yourself let me make a table like just like a normal furniture in the house but let me make it out of something recyclable you can actually do that it just takes a bit more brain power do you know what i mean oh, to yeah. actually think about think about a bit more um sustainable oh. yeah and i think it's what it's also what you do with the table at the end of its life so like it's all well and good making stuff out of recycled stuff but yeah. if you don't then have an end goal for that and a plan for where that that object or material goes once once the consumer's done with it, then it's not yeah. really truly sustainable. So if That's, you're designing something, yeah. you and I think like me and Robert were talking about this a bit yesterday, like the circular economy. So at the moment we have a linear economy. It's about growth. You you it's supply and demand. You buy something. Well, you supply something because there's a demand and once that person is done with that product you get rid of it if you think about like i don't even know if this is true but you know how everyone's like oh apple makes their iphones get really slow when a new one's going to come out yeah yeah like, they do yeah the, 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 the idea that we just need to consume <laughs> all this stuff to make more money and the circular economy is this idea of like you a company creates a product like the like the adidas one that we were talking about like a company creates a product out of a material that would otherwise be wasted, which gives financial value to, to, you know, like recycling or cleaning up that material. They make a product and at the end life of that product, it doesn't end up in landfill. That company then uses the material from that product to make another product or a new Yeah. Kind of like, I guess, um, I, I can't remember where, somewhere in Scandinavia, they've got like a scheme where when you buy, you buy like tins of like, drink like coke cans or fanta or whatever in their vending machines you pay like a penny for the cost of the tin can and then you go and put the tin can back in a vending machine and it gives you the penny back and then they just keep recycling mad. so like there's never waste it's that you incentivize the idea that people don't waste materials in yeah. I, it just also to me do you not like just think that's smart like instead of always having to buy new stuff for more money you just get the old stuff back from your products and turn it into something else like to that, me, is that, small. that makes more sense but i guess it doesn't make more sense for the people lower down the 
supply chain who are like, no, I want to keep selling these people more and more plastic. Yeah. I found it. Her name is Neri Oxman. Ne- Mary. Neri, like N-E-R-I, Oxman. Yeah, she's a um, bioarchitect. That's quite cool. Yeah. Her work embodies environmental design and digital... Mo- I'm going to say this so wrong. Digital morphogenesis with shades and properties that are determined by context. Yeah, so she like she had this project where she got... She was inspired by... Um, she said she's always grown up around nature and she made the sculpture out of I can't remember what material it was but it was like like it was like recyclable material like she took the like she took the cells she's a scientist as well she took the cells from like like the leaves i think like and like did something where like they they, they multiplied them and then made like a structure it was crazy it was, it was crazy crazy that's absolutely yeah bro crazy. it was actually crazy <laughs> neri oxman yeah she's a g man She's a G. After this. Yeah. The art, uh, what's it called again? Abstract, the art of design. It's season two, episode two. Neri Oxman. Yeah, she's really good. She's really good. I'm down. I'm down. I'm going to watch it after. Um, I wanted to kind of, I want to move on to uh, a couple, a couple of things. Um, the, the first one is, um, in October, there were those crazy images coming through on my WhatsApp, and most out, most likely yours as well, uh, Jason and Jess, of the, these floods in Jamaica. Yeah, man. And Am I, I want... killed the motherland, dog? <laughs> I wanted to know that <laughs> if you could lend your expertise to kind of explain, like, the, the environmental science, I suppose, behind, like, that phenomenon. Is that something that we can pinpoint as being, you know, a, a, a result of climate change, or is that just a freak? weather storm you know like a once in a generation thing like that like what's the science behind it yeah so what i found interesting actually because I, I i saw all of the stuff on that on social media not on the news like even like when you oh. said we were going to talk about this i was like okay let me let me go and try and do like just find a news article just so i had more information that was on than was on twitter and whatsapp and to be honest like, i couldn't find a lot which i think was uh, there's also been massive floods in Vietnam at the moment, like some of the worst for a generation, and they have not been really in mainstream news either. But in terms of whether we can pinpoint it to climate change, um, I guess the answer in some ways is no, but in other ways, yes. It's hard to pinpoint an exact climatic event to being directly caused by climate change. You can't go, Hurricane Katrina, the floods in Jamaica were the direct you know, impact of climate change. Yeah. What you can say is that climate change, because there is a warmer world and the oceans are warmer, things that are warmer can hold more energy, like in terms of storms. So storm systems that are warmer can hold more water and they contain more energy. So what we're going to start experiencing is more intense and more extreme tropical storms in the Atlantic. Um, And the rainfall that Jamaica was experiencing at the time was from tropical storm um, Zeta. And this hurricane season in the Atlantic has been the seventh worst on record. And it's not over yet. So it could get worse. Oh, that's so mad. 
So when this tropical storm was going past in October at the time of the landslides, there'd already been a season of uh, like quite heavy rainfall across the Caribbean and across, you know, like Atlantic regions, yeah. which caused like saturation of the ground. And once ground is saturated to a certain point, it can't hold any more water and you get, you, you get a landslide. Particularly in like up from what I understand, like lots of the topography of Jamaica is really steep, like steep hillsides. Mm -hmm. And gravity plus soil that is really heavy from rain equals landslides. Like it's gonna, it's got to go somewhere. Um, so yeah, it's like sorry, I sort of like, but yeah. In answer to the question, can I say that the October flood, flooding, and landslides in Jamaica were caused by climate change? Definitively, no. Can we say that Jamaica, as well as the whole of the Caribbean, is going to continue to experience more extreme hurricane seasons, flooding and climatic hazards because of climate change? Then yes, because we know that we're going to experience more extreme and more frequent tropical storms. What about the impact on rising sea levels as well, Jess? Because um, I, I was looking at something shortly before this podcast that said that... Um, sea levels have increased by 3.6 millimetres a year between 2005 and 2015. 3.6 um, a year? Millimetres, yeah, a year. That's a lot, isn't it? Well, firstly, actually, I suppose, um, can you, like, is that a lot? I mean, to someone who isn't fully aware of climate change, that doesn't sound like much, right? And I suppose it's kind of links to what we were talking about earlier in terms of being able to make um, these kind of, like, intangible stats and numbers, like, actually... Um, convincing i suppose to like to, to the average public so why is that my first question is why is that 3.6 millimeters a problem and then secondly just like a little thought really um uh, i i um jay J- oh, jace is the right person to have on this so you've been to helsha beach right jason yeah yeah um so when was the last time you went roughly probably about 13 years ago nah um back in 2013 13 yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first different time I was... Though. It's different. It's different, though. Yeah. So, like, yeah. What, what's different about it? Like, the, the, the beach itself? Did you notice how the beach has changed? Yeah, the beach... <clears throat> like, yeah, it, it just... It, it, it felt a lot smaller. Right. So the first time I went was in 2014. And I remember, like, the, the, the kind of, like, the, the sand just being long. I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it. I, I remember the coastline. Yeah. where the water yeah. reaches the sand being quite far away. Um, and the second time I went in 2017, it had advanced like way quicker than any beach I've seen before. And my cousin, yeah. who works actually on, she's some kind of environmental engineer or some crap like that. She basically said that her, her team worked on, um, I don't know if this is the right term, but basically suppressing the tide um, because basically... Pardon me. Like holding the line. Yes, because the the, the, holding the line from the like holding the beach line away from the sea. Right, because Helsha Beach is basically eroding at an accelerated That's rate crazy. because of these rising sea levels. So I don't know if, if there's a way, Jess, for you to join everything I've just said there together. This the three point six millimeters. You know, places such as the Caribbean, which you mentioned, being at greater risk, and then you know, explaining like even for, even in our country, why that is a problem, why rising sea levels is an issue. Yeah, sea level rise in this country is going to be an issue, but let's let's rewind. So the 3.6 millimetres, I guess the way that I would describe it is like, I go, whoa, 
is because like the oceans are massive like think about it like when it's 3.6 millimeters that's in terms of volume so i think like you're not talking about like you're talking about 3.6 million millimeters in sea level rise means that the volume of the entire ocean has gone up by 3.6 millimeters <laughs> i think when you think about it do you get what i mean that's on average and in some places it's more but when you think about the sheer volume of water that must be Damn. that's when you start, and remember that, that you know like some places in the world are below sea level so for them it's even more yeah. um and there's sort of two reasons for sea level rise which is i think are quite interesting the second is one i think people don't necessarily always know tons about so you've got thermal expansion so you know um like water when it's warmer expands like yeah pulls a further apart so therefore that causes sea level rise and then the second is the one that we all know which is like polar bears are dying ice caps are melting there's more water um mm. so definitely sea level rise is going to be a massive problem globally because places that are low lying that are very much on the sort of like current not very many meters above sea level um potentially going to end up flooded there's like places in the world like um kiribati in the pacific that isn't going to exist in 10 years already people from those islands have had to they're some of the world's first environmental refugees because they've had to leave their country and, and move to other places in the world because their country is not going to exist. Like the Maldives will not exist. And then for low-lying coastal areas like in Jamaica, um, particularly if we then move on to the UK that maybe don't necessarily have the same kind of like, you know, like governmental funding for coastal defences to be able to build seawalls or use beach nourishment or use the kind of strategies that we would the hard management strategies that we would use in the uk to hold the line well they're, they're not gonna necessarily have that coastline there and if you think about lots of countries in the caribbean like tourism is such an important industry mm -hmm. if, you don't have a, if you don't have a beach where you've got a coastline that is continually damaged by um tropical storms or like storm events then that's going to cost you money that's going to impact your industry like, significantly and how could countries like guard against it what can they do is there anything that they can do i suppose doing the things that i mentioned right like holding stuff back and that yeah so you've got like you've got some natural things so a lot of the damage that happens like you've got sea level right so there are some places that inevitably are going to end up underwater because they're currently below like Miami is a good example like downtown Miami frequently floods at the moment but no. they managed to engineer a system where they literally pump the water out and, and away from that area so it doesn't flood in the UK you know like when we you go to the beach in the UK and we've got the groins like the wooden slats that like build up the beach and we've got seawalls and we've got harbours and we've got piers we've got like the Thames barrier which cost you know millions of pounds to make and we've got all of this technology in place to hold back water so those are the strategies but they cost tons of money like a seawall is something ridiculous it's like 10 grand for a meter wow like if you think like in the, to put it into perspective the uk is what like the the world's fifth largest economy and the southeast coast of the uk 
places in Norfolk, etc., are all sand and clay and really easily eroding. In some places, it's eroding by like 10 meters by a year. And we're not building seawalls there because it's like not cost effective. Like you've got like the, the UK is picking and choosing the places that we're preventing because we can't do it all. We can't do it all. Wow. And if we're the largest economy in the world and we have to pick and choose what we're going to say, then what about places in the world that haven't got anywhere near the kind of financial wealth that we do? I suppose, I don't know if this links to the, um, what you mentioned uh, when we were speaking about this uh, with, with donut economics and that, that econ economist, but I suppose it, uh, it links to what you're both saying in terms of, you know, um, who has an interest in, in changing the, the status quo in terms of this guy's rubbing his flower? You know the Bond villains, like I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, it leads to a nice one. It's just like mad, like why didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, what was I saying? Um, I, I, I maybe like. I suppose the answer, because you're absolutely right in terms of this being the fifth largest economy, like the money's there for these solutions to be to be found, right? Yeah. I don't know, maybe this, this question's like too much of a big one, but it's, it's about surely re redirecting the money and rethinking like how we integrate, you know, like sustainability to with economic growth and prosperity as well, because these things shouldn't be mutually exclusive. No. I don't think they should. So Donut Economics is this book that this lady called Kate Rawa wrote in 2017. And it's about, um, I'm just going to read what she said, because I actually think it's quite interesting. So the central premise is simple, that the goal of economic activity should be about meeting the core needs of all, but within the needs, within the means of the planet. Whereas actually the system that we currently have is just exponential um economic growth regardless of the cost to the environment or to to people um so i think it's a model that i obviously agree with like should we it comes back to the meat like as the uk should we be buying meat from the rainforest when we know that it's causing all of this untold environmental catastrophe and then it's also contributing to climate change which is causing sea levels to rise which means that we've got to spend some of that profit on building sea defences. But I guess like the, the, the cynic in me and the thing that I find difficult, and this isn't really my area of expertise and actually probably is a bit more of yours, Robert, like I, like, I don't, I obviously agree with that principle, like that makes sense to me, but I don't know, particularly in the like current political climate that we have in the UK today, i.e. cutting the aid budget by 0.2%, yes. whether it's it fits into the, the, the kind of narrative you know like the, the yeah. political narrative that we have in the west and like in capitalist society like well i think i don't like i don't know this though um yeah. and this this actually links to a question that I, I was actually meant to ask you uh maybe with the um incoming new u.s president who has made a green new deal and you know, 
rejoining the Paris Climate Change Accords central to his re-election. I don't know if he's actually made the Green New Deal. I'm doing what the code is. (laughs) You are, you are indeed. Because, and this links to what Jason and I were discussing in in the last episode. There are a lot of promises that he's made to kind of gain um, the vote from like the far left, if that's a thing in America. But whether or not he's going to actually be able to fulfill those is a whole complete different question. But let's assume that, you know, um, that more, uh, what's the word, more impetus is put on dealing with the environment and climate change than the current presidency. I wonder if maybe that will kickstart, you know, um, further actions in, in the West, as you mentioned, in terms of rethinking the economy. I don't know, it's, it's something, to, something to play about because we even see um, Boris and the government have said that they're going to bring through the ban, bring forward the ban on fossil fuels, right? They're going to bring forward yeah. it, bring it forward by 10 years. So rather than banning uh, um, petrol and hydrogen and diesel run cars. I mean, I'm, I'm sceptical. I'm, I'm sceptical about his motivations for, for saying this, but... Oh, really? <coughs> Like, we don't have any fossil fuels left in the UK. We use them all up. Mm. In like, like, like we, we, we've, we're done. Like, we've got some North Sea oil in Scotland. If they hang around for another five years to still be part of the UK, because, I mean, that's a separate discussion. But, <laughs> but we've used up all. Like, we, we have no more coal. We don't have any natural gas. We could, we could frack to get some, um, stuff. But he's banning but, he's banning like petrol and diesel cars as well. Yeah, but I I think that's just because to be I'm I'm cynical because I think he's banning them because technology for electric cars has existed for over a decade. But at a time when it's no longer economically viable in the UK, we haven't used coal in our power plants for over a year now. I think last year they didn't use any. It's now that he's choosing to put this into action. Oh. And it's not just him. I think this is a a wider issue within like the political community. Like when it comes to climate change, like politicians will bring out policies when it suits them and when financially and economically it makes sense. Like it makes sense for the UK to start basing economy on green energy at this point because <laughs> I guess we have a history of being quite technologically um, sort sort of innovative. And it's an industry where there's lots of money to be made over the next 20 years, but they should have been doing this a decade ago. They knew a decade ago. But there was still, I, I personally feel like there was still money to be made from fossil fuel industries. I, did you know the technology for electric cars was um, like first kind of invented or discovered in the 1880s? Mmm, mmm, okay, okay. So we have to stop it right there, people. Do you know what I'm saying? We have to stick a pin in that one. Yeah, it's getting a little it's getting a little bit saucy. <laughs> Alright, cool. So not to worry though, because we love you guys. We're gonna be back next week uh as we continue with that illustrious conversation, do you know what I'm saying? And we will have some more coming soon. That's right, that's right. We'll be covering uh climate skepticism. The role that Extinction Rebellion and Greta Thunberg play in, in conveying the importance of climate change. Do they do more harm than good? Hmm. One to think about. And if so, what are effective protesting strategies in conveying this message? I'm also going to be thinking about the relationship between 
developed countries like Britain and less economically developed countries when it comes to climate change. How uh, can Britain help, if at all? Should these countries be left alone to, to, to sort these problems out by themselves? All of that and more. Plus, Anthropocene. Anthropocene? Anthropocene. Yeah, we like that one. What does it mean? <laughs> We're going to find out the answer to that next week. Make sure you don't cheat. Don't check Google. We're going to wait and find out. Cool. And just stay tuned with us, guys. We'll be back. You know what I'm saying? Love. Bye. Bye-bye.